0: Hello, folks, and welcome to another SACPA session. SACPA is very thankful for the continuing support we receive from the University of Lethbridge, Show Spotlight and the Lethbridge Herald. SACPA acknowledges that this event takes place on the lands of the Blackfoot people and Métis Nations of Alberta Region 3, and we pay respect to their past, present and future cultural heritage, beliefs and relationship to the land. SACPA is committed to assist reconciliation efforts by raising awareness of the ways past and present injustices can be reconciled. Today we'd like to introduce you to uh, Mark Holzer from the Canadian uh, Red Cross. Mark, thank you very much for joining at such late notice. We had a little bit of an an, um, emergency with with our prior, previous speaker, and so we're very thankful that you've joined us today. Mark.
1: Thank you, I'm happy to be here. Yeah,
0: Mark began his career in emergency ma- management with the American Red Cross prior to returning to Canada and joining the Canadian Red Cross in 2018. While in the U.S., Mark supported many local responses in southwestern Pennsylvania, as well as Hurricane Sandy and the Haiti earthquake. Now based in Edmonton, Mark supports the Alberta Emergency Management Team to plan and prepare for all hazards, everything from single-family house fires to community-wide impact fire and flooding events. Once again, thanks for joining us at such short notice, and we very much look forward to your presentation.
1: All right. Thank you so much, Annalise. I appreciate the introduction and the opportunity to be here. and and speak to your viewers and uh, share some information about the organization, the Canadian Red Cross and the the work that we do here, uh, both in Alberta and the Northwest Territories, but across Canada and uh, internationally as well. Uh, So we do have a a presentation and and right off the bat, as we mentioned, unfortunately, Jen McManus uh, was unable to join us. Um, She is uh, disappointed. She does like these opportunities to, to connect with our communities. Uh, she is our provincial vice president uh, and, and would be more than happy to uh, rejoin at another later date uh, if the opportunity was to arise uh, as well. But I have agreed to, to step in and, and join you, which I'm happy to do. Um, and if we do come up uh, anything on the presentation uh, that sparks any questions that, unfortunately, I might be able, unable to answer, uh, we'll be happy to try and get that uh, answer for you uh, at a later date as well. Um, also, on the, on the next slide, um, so Annelise had provided a, a land acknowledgement uh, for us. Uh, But I would also like to, as I am based in Edmonton, Alberta as well, so I'd like to respectfully acknowledge that I am located in Region 6 territory, a traditional gathering place for diverse Indigenous peoples, including Cree, Blackfoot, Métis, Nakota Sioux, Iroquois, Dene, Inuit, and many others whose histories and languages, cultures, continue to influence our vibrant community. So to begin uh, on the the next slide, we're just going to review some of the Canadian Red Cross's uh, history uh, as well as um, what guides the work that we do. Uh, And and then we'll continue on to refer to some specific programs and services that we offer, the work that we've been doing uh, over the the pandemic, uh, even before that, And how we've had to adapt and and change our uh, methodologies as a result of the the pandemic and and all that includes so the canadian red cross has been active in canada uh, since 1896 and officially became the canadian red cross in 1909 through an act of parliament our mission is help people and communities throughout canada and the world In times of need and to support them strengthening their resiliency. Today we're the largest humanitarian organization in the world. The photo uh, in the presentation has three emblems. Uh, On the left you'll notice the 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 red cross uh, which is synonymous with many of the red crosses that operate throughout countries but it's also recognized through different symbols in some other countries as well uh, as well on the next slide we have our guiding principles our fundamental principles these shape how we approach the work that we do through humanity impartiality neutrality independence voluntary service, unity, and universality, we hold these very near and dear to everything that we do and the approach that we take so that we're able to provide the proper support to all communities and all people within those communities, regardless of geographic boundaries. On the uh, next slide, Our, our beginnings you know, really did start in the early 1900s, uh, being active in Alberta since 1907, working locally on a range of programs and services that we continue to adapt to people's changing needs. And our mission guided by our fundamental principles are also supported through our pillars in emergencies and health and areas of expertise such as direct assistance, volunteerism, building capacity and strengthening our communities based on research, training and education. This also cannot be accomplished without philanthropy and influencing humanitarian action across the world. In Alberta, the Red Cross has recruited, recruited, trained and engaged more than 13,000 volunteers across all lines of service, not just in emergency management, as well as providing staff, offices throughout the province and services available to all communities in both Alberta and Northwest Territories. So our geography that we're responsible for doesn't end with just the provincial boundaries of Alberta, but also up into the Northwest Territories as well. And we, in addition, we also provide uh, a lot of support to our neighboring provinces, as they're dealing with some of the the responses that they're working through. Uh, As you might have heard, in Manitoba, they're dealing with some significant flooding uh, as well, which is um, happens every year. uh, But sometimes it's local capacity is exceeded and so other provinces provide support and assistance uh, as necessary as well. So after a little bit of history, so on the next slide, we will be looking at the work that we are doing in Canada and around the world So I encourage you to to think about some of the events that you might be familiar with. And if you do have any questions regarding those, uh, please don't hesitate to ask at the question answer period uh, following. So the the main lines of service or programs that we offer uh, is emergency management, which is one of the larger programs, uh, having the significant volunteer population uh as well that we utilize to be able to do all of the work that we do we're a volunteer-led organization uh, where we engage many many volunteers to help us be able to respond to all of the needs uh, of the communities uh, as well this is focusing on the the cycle of emergency management which is planning and preparedness for the ability to respond and provide support to those communities as well as looking into the the long-term recovery operations that are necessary for communities to return to their their, uh, pre-disaster state uh, as well. In addition to emergency management, where we are focusing on that planning for the response side of things, we've also begun developing a disaster preparedness and risk reduction program where it's supporting communities to identify ways that they can make themselves more prepared, more resilient. So in the event that something was to happen, a community fire or flood, then the road to recovery is hopefully a little bit easier uh, for folks as well. Separate from emergency management, but also incredibly important are our community health and wellness programs. A big component of that is our health equipment and loan program or help throughout the province. We have a number of health depots and health. I refer to that as the acronym of health equipment and loan program where people in the the community are able to come to our offices and borrow Equipment, health equipment walkers wheelchairs uh, assistive aids for the bathroom and those kinds of things as well not necessarily hopefully items that someone might need long term but they're able to access those for that short term where they might need that assistance and also looking at supporting communities through prevention and safety through our first aid training and our opioid harm reduction programs that we're reaching into as well, which I'll be speaking to a little bit more in depth uh, upcoming as well. And finally, there's the international operations. Uh, So the Red Cross that operates in different countries may have different lines of services than what the Canadian Red Cross offers but a lot of them are similar, and and we support other countries as well by deploying resources both workforce as well as materials uh, as needed. So we want to make sure that the the Canadian Red Cross is able to support other societies uh, around the world in their times of need as well. So as I mentioned, we'd like to look at these programs and lines of services in a little bit more depth Uh, so we'll begin with emergency management so on the next slide uh, the big piece is responding every three hours in Canada and you might ask yourself there's not big events every three hours in Canada and and that is true Uh, but one of our programs that we do offer is through our personal disaster assistance program and this is uh, service that is available to anyone and everyone who has a personal disaster, such as a house fire, um, maybe a small flood in, in their home, uh, apartment buildings that maybe need to be evacuated uh, or whatnot. So small localized individual events where we're able to provide immediate emergency temporary assistance to get folks uh, somewhere safe, and provide that immediate assistance of food clothing lodging uh, as well and unfortunately that does happen every three hours uh, throughout the country uh, but through our trained volunteers we're able to respond to those events uh, meet with the families provide them that f- direct financial assistance but also the the soft assistance the listening ear the comfort the, a, a blanket uh, just to be able to provide them, you know with that little bit of uh, guidance of there's some support immediately for them, providing them that direction of what to do next uh, and and make sure that they they have a safe place to go following their house fire uh, or something like that as well. Thankfully, the big events, they don't happen very often. You know unfortunately, we are seeing large events happening more often and becoming more severe Um, but as we can work with communities on their planning and hopefully making them more resilient to lessen the impact uh, as well and so through that disaster preparedness and risk reduction program uh, that we do offer is that we're able to provide some of that knowledge to communities both individually as as, as homeowners uh, or whatnot but also communities that, that can address if something was to happen you know, how can the Red Cross support but also what can the community do themselves uh, to be able to be a little bit better prepared uh, as well. In 2020 2021 the Red Cross has helped more than 1200 Albertans through this disaster, the Personal Disaster Assistance Program. And across the country, more than 33,000 people uh, as well. So even just on the small events, you know, fairly significant impact uh, within the province, but also uh, across the country as well. And unfortunately, with the, the big events, we're talking much higher numbers as well. As you may recall from the uh, Alberta wildfires in 2016 in the Fort McMurray Wolf, Buffalo area uh, having more than 80,000 people evacuated um, and and still going through recovery six years later uh, as well and and that's just one of the the most you know recent events if you look back to 2013 and the southern Alberta floods or 2011, the Slave Lake wildfires, and even more recently, the Fort McMurray floods in 2020, which saw another 14,000 people displaced as well. So these are significant events. uh, And and there's that range between single-family house fires up to the Fort McMurray size events and everything in between. Uh, Currently, there's some flooding happening in the Northwest Territories and Northwest Alberta that have impacted... You know, several thousands of people uh, as well, and the Red Cross is, is happy to provide support as necessary for these communities uh, as well. Okay. On, the, on the next slide, it uh, talks a little bit more about uh, the Fort McMurray floods. Uh, so this was a, a very unique response for us. Uh, because it was the first large response during the pandemic. So typically the Red Cross likes to be in community with our volunteers, working with people who are evacuated uh, as well. But with the complications of COVID-19, we were needing to focus on the health and safety of everyone, both our own workforce, but the community At large. So it did result in us needing to adjust how we would approach providing support and assistance. Uh, And then so we did shift to a little bit of a virtual model to be able to support these 13,000 people who were evacuated uh, as well. Another unique and interesting thing about this event is that a significant number of these people were also impacted by the 2016 wildfires. So in addition to now they're dealing with a flood event, they're still in their recovery following the wildfires uh, and and all of the factors that come into that. um, You know, even though you may rebuild your house, uh, you know, there's still the, the, the memory and the trauma of these events as well. And now being dual impacted by a significant flood event Uh, as well. Uh, And and, uh, psychological first aid is a a key component within emergency management, uh, which I'll speak to a little bit later as well, and goes back to that uh, component of not only providing uh, direct financial assistance or blankets or things like that, but just the the additional psycho-emotional support uh, that's so critical for these as well. So, as on the next slide, uh, we're starting to shift a little bit from uh, emergency management in terms of people having an event uh, and us being able to provide some assistance. But how do we do that in a pandemic? You know, the Red Cross is not an organization that wants to not be there. We, we want to be in every community that is in need and requests us. Uh, and so how do we do that in a pandemic? Everyone is has, has, uh, well acquainted with all of the restrictions and um, changes that we've had to make in our personal lives uh, as a result of the pandemic. And a big piece of that was keeping ourselves, keeping our neighbors safe. And, and so how do we adjust being able to provide that support to communities in a pandemic and one of those ways was to shift to doing things a little bit more virtual Uh, everyone has gotten very accustomed to skype and zoom and all of that Uh, but it goes it goes beyond that as well because you can't connect with people in a meaningful way as well through through a screen Um, so while that was a component to it we had also uh, really adapted to be able to focus on that health and safety aspect uh, of responses and being in communities. Um, so we were looking at ways to make sure that we were implementing policies and procedure to keep people safe, ensuring you know, good physical distancing, proper use of PPE at appropriate levels based on the situation uh, as well, but also looking at ways to support communities as they are dealing with the pandemic so one of those examples is um, when things were first starting way back can't believe it's been two and a half years uh, and people were returning to Canada uh, and and landing in uh, Ontario uh, at CFB Trenton uh, and so being welcomed and having to do the whole isolation thing and whatnot and and so the Red Cross was there supporting people who were returning uh, as well um, so shifting a little bit from disaster response to the, the pandemic response uh, as well. Uh, as the pandemic went on, we were looking at ways to continue to support communities. Uh, you know, there, there was the isolation of seniors in large cities, uh, food insecurity for vulnerable populations, uh, lack of medical facilities in Indigenous communities and, and supporting patient overflow in hospitals uh, as well. So in the early days of all of this is providing some financial support but also just the guidance and expertise as we began developing COVID protocols and, and whatnot as well. okay so that was just sort of the general approach on the next slide uh, looking at more local uh, work that we've done Uh, so for almost the entire pandemic we have been working with the PHAC or the Public Health Agency of Canada uh, supporting uh, travelers returning to Canada uh, as well as providing Testing, COVID-19 testing at border entry sites, um, working with Correction Services Canada for epidemic prevention and control at federal correctional facilities uh, as well, and launching a friendly calls program. So as I had mentioned, you know, people feeling a lot more vulnerable and isolated as a result of this. And so being able to provide that support uh, through phone calls and just checking in with people uh, and whatnot, uh, and making sure that uh, we're we're trying to minimize the, the impacts, uh, again, sort of the health and mental health of, of folks during the pandemic uh, as well. On the, the, the next slide, this is just the last piece, sort of COVID specific, uh, is it was a very interesting opportunity for us in the province is that we had our emergency response unit uh, or ERU deployed domestically and so what that is is basically a field hospital uh, that we're able to deploy and until the pandemic uh, we had not deployed this domestically Uh, it was always provided to Operations overseas, uh, and we were able to deploy that uh, to a few sites in in Canada. One being in Edmonton, Alberta, and you may have heard this in in the media. Uh, so we had set up at the U of A Butter Dome. Uh, I forget the exact number of tents that we had put up. I think it was about twelve, um, and and it was able to be overflow uh, for hospitals should uh, the u of a hospital should it be necessary Uh, luckily it was not activated Uh, we didn't have to to reach that point um, under the strain of healthcare services uh, as well so again another interesting footnote in history uh, as a result of the pandemic uh, unfortunately and i think everyone's ready to move on and, and forget about that but it's it's good to to know where we came from and and learn from from all of this as well so, as I mentioned, uh, you know a number of services and programs that we offer uh, go beyond just emergency management and and disaster response. And that might be sort of the big one because it's oftentimes sort of the forefront um, at, that people know what the, as, uh, what the Red Cross does. Uh, but we don't want to forget about all of the other good work that our the rest of the organization is doing. So in the next slide, we're talking about our community health and wellness uh, programs. So, as I mentioned, our our HELP program, which is the Health Equipment Loan Program, uh, which is fairly straightforward. Anybody who is in need of that uh, assistance is able to access our our help depots across the province uh, for that. Um, And then also within that is our um, wellness check-in and for seniors as as well as the friendly call program uh, as well so in alberta for the last year uh, we've assisted more than 22,000 people uh, and loaned out more than 42,000 pieces of equipment and and this is all done through our volunteers who meet and greet people at our depots get them the equipment that they need and then when it's returned do a quick service make sure it's in good working order to be reissued uh, again. Um, So again, 22,000 people in a year, uh, pretty significant uh, need that's there uh, as well. After our community health and wellness, uh, through that, we're we're taking that one step further through our first aid and opioid aid harm reduction programs. Um, So first aid, I'm sure everybody is familiar with. Uh, You know, we we are able to provide first aid certification throughout the province uh, for that. And taking that even one step further is participating in a Canada Health Initiative aimed at reducing opioid-related deaths by increasing Canadians' access to opioid poisoning response training and life-saving medication, so naloxone kits, uh, for example, and how to properly use them, uh, but also providing people with the the knowledge um, so that should they come across somebody who's experiencing opioid poisoning, uh, that they're able to intervene and provide that life-saving support as needed. Uh, So a primary focus that we're looking at is you know, the, the underserved or remote communities uh, throughout Alberta and and working with them and making sure that we're connecting with as many people who work with that population uh, as possible. And, and in addition to first aid, I had mentioned the psychological first aid as well. Uh, so this is a, another service that we offer uh, for folks to be able to be able to to help Uh, folks in crisis uh, as well, not just the the physical ailments, but also the the emotional and and mental health aspect uh, as well. Okay, and then finally touching just briefly on how the Canadian Red Cross supports international operations. So on the next slide, Uh, You know, we are focusing on the events that happen throughout the the world, uh, impacting all communities, and and the Red Cross oftentimes will provide that support, um, as I mentioned, either with our workforce uh, and deploying Canadians internationally uh, or through just materials uh, as needed. So in the last year, the the Red Cross has reached more than 2.5 million people internationally through our programming and partnerships with other national societies. Uh, And that's through 93 uh, humanitarian missions to 25 different
0: countries uh, as well.
1: So that's talking about what we do domestically in other countries, but as we all know, there are events that happen in other countries that can impact Canada in a variety of ways and how we might support that locally as well. Uh, most notably on the next slide, we're talking about the uh, arrivals from from Ukraine following uh, the Ukraine crisis um, where we've been seeing a number of ukraine nationals uh coming to canada uh, and so the through the, uh, ircc the immigration refugees and citizenship canada uh partnership that we've been set up at a number of hotels across the country in edmonton toronto and vancouver uh, welcoming people and connecting them with uh, appropriate resources and referrals as they're they're coming in. So even though this is, you know, an international event, we're still planning and preparing for these uh, types of situations as well. And and you know, the Ukraine crisis is not unique. Uh, having provided support, for example, to to Syrians uh, as well previously, uh, as well. Okay, and I think we're we're almost about at the end of the presentation, which is good timing because we're we're about there um, as well
0: Excellent. Um, thank you so much. I've put up the last slide um, with with your um, um, with your website on how to learn more, volunteer or donate. Um, Thank you so much, Mark, for your presentation. That was very informative. Um, I just have a question for you. As you were talking about sort of the increase of um, natural disasters, do you have, like, and and with climate change changing, do you, does the Red Cross actually have a contingency plan to, to think about how this would, you know, how the increase of that would affect the Red Cross?
1: hmm. You know, so we do. And it is something that we, we pay very close attention to. Um, so as part of our planning and preparedness is that we're, you know, we partner with communities to get a better understanding of what are their risks and hazards? What are they seeing locally that might increase the, the likelihood, but also severity of these events? And how do we work with these communities to properly prepare for the requests or support that might come in. Uh, So if we're looking at sort of the the traditional quote unquote uh, emergency management preparedness is making sure that we are are training enough volunteers to be able to respond to those events, uh, having good communication with partners and communities to know what, what the extent of risk might be. Uh, as well and, and just being able to respond to those realizing that we can't predict what's going to happen when and where but how can we best be prepared for that uh, this is is side by side with disaster risk reduction you know we're providing information to communities to you know what provide information on what can they do to to be better prepared themselves as well having a personal emergency plan, making sure that you have a preparedness kit. So in the event that you needed to evacuate, you're able to, to do that quickly and efficiently with everything that you would have uh, as well. Uh, and then, then just continuing to monitor weather patterns and and things like that.
0: Okay, um, our next question goes from Laurie Schultz. Thank you, Mark, for your presentation. Would you comment on the post-disaster work the Red Cross does with communities?
1: Um, yeah, certainly. Um, so, as with everything that the Red Cross does, uh, you know, we try to have these partnerships with communities uh, so that we can understand how they can best be supported, identifying gaps. Uh, so, for local communities, approach if they have to evacuate, uh, working with. Local authorities uh, to be able to provide that support either during a uh, evacuation, but then also when so for flood, ex- for example, waters come up, people are evacuated, the water goes down, and then what? You know, so having conversations with the local authorities on what does that reentry to community look like? What are the needs for recovery uh, as well? And and part of that conversation is Uh, looking at um, you know just the support and expertise does that also include financial assistance uh, and and whatnot and so it depends on on funds raised for events and those kinds of things as well so you know unfortunately there isn't just a cut and dry in every situation this is what's going to happen and how it happens it's it's all you know based on the events and, and figuring out you know, what are the needs and resources that are available uh, to help meet those needs.
0: Our next question comes from Mark Goodall. Do we have any Canadian volunteers currently on the ground in the Ukraine or the surrounding countries taking part in the crisis there, i.e. Poland, Hungary, etc.?
1: Unfortunately, my answer will be fairly brief. Uh, we, we do, uh, I just don't have specifics. Um, Uh, at this time, you know, exactly who, who, uh, like how many people have been deployed and and where they are and the work that they're doing uh, as well, but we have, we have deployed um, folks, yes.
0: Um, Our next question comes from Henning Mandel, does the international Red Cross still deal with blood donations and distribution, realizing the Canadian Red Cross no longer does?
1: So individual societies in countries do, um, as I had mentioned. You know there are different lines of service in different countries uh, based on on those organizations. So some uh, European countries, for example, uh, have actually a much more active healthcare role uh, in in some of those as well. And and yeah, so Canadian Blood Services has has taken that on uh, as well. But a number of countries do uh, still have that program.
0: Laurie Schultz, how does the Red Cross mitigate or work around challenges in countries that may not have infrastructure, for example, distributing food slash medicine in countries with gangs or corruption?
1: Hmm. So that 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 is a challenge, absolutely. Um, you know, and, and I think I'll, I'll revert back to our fundamental principles. Uh, is is that we will know provide the support that we can wherever we can uh, based on these principles as well uh, and and navigating through um, you know maybe some unstable regions can be tricky you know there's logistical issues transportation issues uh, as well as just the ability to sort of travel freely through that Uh, you know luckily uh, the the red cross and red crescent is is a internationally recognized symbol of assistance. And, and you know that does provide a little bit of uh, ability to, to do the work that we do uh, as well. But it is working with those local authorities uh, to be able to safely carry out the work that we do uh, as well. And just making sure that we're navigating through supply chain issues or something like that as best we can, uh, you know, depending on the situation in a country or a region, uh, there there might not be sort of any good option. And so it's looking at what is the the best option that uh, will deliver the aid and support, uh, but also keeping people safe uh, as well.
0: The next question comes from Beth Mundell. And uh, I think you talked about it in your PowerPoint presentation, but I'll ask it anyway. Is the Canadian Red Cross involved in Canada's opioid crisis? And if so, how?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's through that uh, awareness and, and education uh, support. So very similar to, um, you know, first aid training, psychological first aid training is, is providing that awareness of what is the opio- opioid crisis? Who does it impact? How does it impact people uh, are in, in what communities and, and whatnot? But then taking that next step of, training people how to respond to somebody who is experiencing opioid poisoning uh, as well. So being able to uh, be confident in some training that you would receive to directly intervene. And again, this is to your level of comfort uh, and and training, Um, but even if you're not comfortable with administering naloxone, for example, at least taking the steps to properly care for somebody, while first responders are being able to be dispatched uh, as well.
0: Um, our next question comes from Mark Guttel. Is there a Red Cross organization in Russia?
1: There is. Yes. Yeah. And and again back to our, our fundamental principles. You know, um, support is being offered so for this this specific crisis, uh, support is being offered to, to um, everyone impacted, you know, Ukrainians, Russians, uh, as well as part of that, that in neutrality, and independence.
0: On your last slide, you talked about people being able to volunteer. What would it look like? Um, if you were to approach the Canadian Red Cross and say that you wanted to volunteer what what does that entail? how does like would you be sent to a disaster zone or what
1: <laughs> yeah it 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 could be um it it's it's a um you know an application process where you meet with our representatives to determine you know what would be the best fit for you you know, what is your interest? Uh, in, in volunteering for the Red Cross is it emergency management is it the help program or friendly calls um, or, or whatnot uh, the majority of our volunteers are under emergency management but you know we have we have philanthropy volunteers that help raise funds um, so it's just meeting with our representatives that, that do the onboarding of volunteers identifying you know what that best role would be for you uh and then helping you navigate through that path uh, so for example emergency management you know i i want to help people following those house fires uh you know be be one of those every three hours uh, volunteers not that busy in alberta thankfully uh, that's across the country uh, but you are brought on as a volunteer, you receive uh, pretty extensive training on on how to complete all of the paperwork and work with individuals following a disaster. Uh, and then you're connected with our local coordinators uh, and being able to to get the training and then experience. Uh, we have some volunteers who you know support the the single family house fires, but we have other volunteers who have the ability to deploy. And so they're sent throughout the province uh, up into the Northwest Territories into BC, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, the Atlantic provinces as well. Um, So it's based on your interest, your comfortability, your availability and ability to to go outside of your community. So if you were to volunteer with us, you you don't have to leave your community, but the opportunity is there if if you so interest. International is a little bit different based on on the skill sets that's needed and whatnot. Uh, but really, it's it's up to you how you want to volunteer. That's the beauty of volunteering; you choose.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. Next question comes from Laura Schultz. Does the Red Cross collaborate with other agencies such as Doctors Without Borders, etc., pre-disaster or during a disaster?
1: Uh, I will say yes, yes, and yes. Uh, yeah, we do. We do collaborate with a number of different organizations um, and and it's not this is the list and this is only the list it is whoever we need to to work with uh, to be able to do this the red cross you know can't do everything uh, no organization can uh, so it's really a collaborative effort among uh, nonprofits, um, local government provincial government federal, uh, federal government uh, as well and figuring out you know who's bringing what to the table and how do we best coordinate? You know, how do we make the most out of the resources available uh, for that? And so having those conversations ahead of time means that when an event happens, then it is a little bit more smooth uh, into transition to actually doing the work uh, that's there. Um, So, yeah, so it's all of those different organizations uh, and having those conversations ahead of time, um, as well as being able to work together uh, based on whatever kind of event is happening.
0: Um, Mark Goodell, do you accept donations of used medical aids such as walkers, crutches, etc.?
1: That I do not know. Uh, I do apologize. Uh, that specific question. Um, I know that the yeah the Help Depot does. Um, you know, but if if you were to look on our website, I'm sure you could you could find that answer. Uh, but I'm also happy to. And track that down and Annalisa uh, Lisa can send that to you if you like
0: okay that was um, everything from oh Laurie Schultz sorry um, would you elaborate on the training for international response volunteers i.e types of skills etc uh,
1: I don't have a, a ton that I can can share as i'm I'm not terribly familiar with. That piece, um, you know, but if you were to go to our website, that would provide some some additional information, um, for it, and and oftentimes it it depends on on the need of the specific uh, operation as well, um, you know, is it is it something that you've had experience dealing with those kinds of events previously in a professional capacity or something like that. Uh, Maybe you have a background in um, logistics or supply chain management, um, that kind of a thing, or as a health care background, something that you would bring uh, as well. Um, So it really depends on the specific needs of operations and the roles that are needed at the time uh, as well. Um, And what are the, the needs of the uh, um, local organiz- local Red Cross in that country, right? So do they have uh, some gaps of maybe some specialized roles that they're looking for uh, as well? Or is it such a big event that they're just needing more bodies as well? And that would dictate that as well. Yeah.
0: Um, next question from Laura Schultz Was the Red Cross involved in the recent and ongoing crisis in Afghanistan?
1: I do apologize. I I don't have information on
0: on that. Mark Goodell, do you receive any government funding? Canada matches donations towards the Ukraine Ukrainian uh, crisis, but they con- but they contribute regularly.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so not not specifically um, funding per se, you know, but it is dependent on. You know if, if we are contracting with uh, so for example for the um quarantine sites during the pandemic and and whatnot uh, you know so that, that there is some funding available to the red cross to help us operate uh, for that um you know the the funds that we raise for an event uh are dedicated to that event. Um, So if you, for example, in this grocery store and and they're raising funds for the BC wildfires, even though it's in Alberta, that funds uh, generated go to that event
0: uh, as well. Okay. Um, Thanks so much, Mark. Those were the questions in our queue today. Um, Before we wrap up the session, do you have a take-home message for our viewers, please?
1: Yeah, I I would say, uh, you know, related to to our last slide is is that if there's any of this that is interesting to you, uh, you know, consider to volunteer with us. As I mentioned, there's a lot of opportunities, not just in emergency management, um, but local in other areas throughout the province or or other provinces as well, Um, but in addition, to helping the Red Cross be prepared through having volunteers take steps to to prepare yourself and your family. As I mentioned, uh, communities that are better prepared are more resilient, more resilient, and and the recovery uh, is is um, a little bit easier when communities and individuals are properly prepared um, as well. If if you have your you know three day emergency kit uh, that you can evacuate with, and that's that's great. So just what can you do personally to to prepare yourself and your family?
0: Thank you, and on behalf of SACPA, thank you for uh, a formative presentation. And SACPA is very grateful for your availability to present at the last minute. So thanks very much. And um, welcome. for our viewers, we hope you join us next week with Madi and General Tahari. The difficult journey out of Afghanistan after the Taliban takeover. So I hope you join us then and we'll end the live stream.